living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Please welcome Utah and Aaliyah to the stage. Welcome. See, everybody who comes, everybody who watches live gets to see the behind the scenes stuff. That's right. That's right. This is the cool stuff that you guys miss on the podcast if you don't come watch us live. Although we absolutely love you guys on the podcast. We're grateful that you're there. Absolutely. Um, uh, Because that's primarily our audience's podcast. Uh, We'd love to get you to come to YouTube and see us live and actually interact with our guests and us. That would be fantastic. Unfortunately, um, right now there's one person in the audience, but that's great. We're going to see who, who else. <laughs> no, no, no. Who else like, comes? No, fortunately, for, fortunately, when I say unfortunately, you. I say it because it's probably my other stream, like what, you know, my oh, monitoring oh, oh, oh. stream. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If it is a real person, I'm absolutely grateful that you're there. It's not unfortunate. It's very fortunate. <laughs> if it's just my monitoring, then massive, massive uh, fortunate. <laughs> Big time uber fortunate. Exactly. Well, hey guys, welcome. Uh, It's great to see you guys. This time I I didn't have to wait so long to see you guys. Just saw you guys Saturday. We were all at an amazing event, Cleveland Gaming Classic. Oh yeah, Cleveland Gaming Classic. Kudos to Tom and all the crew that put that together. Wow. It was a great time. Truly phenomenal. So well Phenomenal event. So well So it. It's the first year. It was three days. Uh, the first day night was a preview night for all access and VIP. That was a lot of fun. DJ stuff all night. People got into the games right away. A lot of the vendors were still setting up during that time because that's kind of what it was for. But we still got to meet a lot of great people that evening. Uh, and I didn't expect to see cosplayers that early, but there are already cosplayers there, which was a lot of fun. And then Saturday was really the main event, right? That's when everything that's started the big up. Day. Yeah. Well, it was the main event because you guys were there, right? Because oh, that was. Oh, <laughs> is this more shade? No, wow. that's a good thing. I'm saying like they all, all anybody could oh. see before that was me. And then Saturday, they're like, whoa, right. you totally are there. And Saturday it's like, a now it's a party. It the is. Triumvirate, the uh, triad, the, uh, the triangle, the. Oh gosh, guess who that one viewer was my daughter, Rachel. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go, Rachel. I, you know I'm I'm grateful for you. So I you don't have to worry about that. That's that, that figures though. That <laughs> I truly did think it was my monitor feed, but all right, there was a human being on the other end of that. One that I love Let's very go, much. Rachel. And now That's I feel terrible. My goodness gracious. <laughs> all right, thanks. Good night. Uh, so, yep, that's it. That's what's for us. Sorry, Corey. Well, maybe next week. <laughs> I've uh, disappointed my daughter. Just retry. I'm kidding. Just redo. That's it. Um, just run tell it. Tell us, uh, you know, give me your uh, rundown. Uh, we'll start with you, Aaliyah. What did you think of the gaming classic? This was, uh, you were with me last year. Utah, you came, did you come out for, I think you might've missed that one. I missed right? last year. Yeah. yeah totally so it was just you it. And, and me, Aaliyah. Uh, what What did you think of the the larger scale and the, the bigger uh, event? What What did you lo- like about it? Honestly, I truly loved everything. I really enjoyed, um, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I really enjoyed just being able to actually meet with the vendors and everyone was so polite and friendly, uh, very welcoming. Um, and one of my favorite things is just being able to see how big the geek community actually is. And I think, you know, sometimes we just stay in our little bubbles or we meet each other uh, on Twitch or wherever, but it is so nice just to be able to, to see everyone um, in the same place, uh, appreciating the same things, even um, across all ages, you know, kids, 
uh, well-seasoned folk. Um, it goes across all, <laughs> it goes across all ages. But outside of that, I will say that one of my, one of my favorite things was, um, the cosplayers and, I really appreciated all of the gaming that they had. So me being younger, uh, not necessarily being as acclimated with with like arcade games or some of like the old school retro games. Um, I I really appreciated that. I think that that was like just really cool to see. I love seeing kids playing and having appreciation for retro. Yeah, I, never, I never even thought of. I never even thought about that. That you know, that's true. That the whole arcade game, arcade gaming sort of thing is just doesn't exist anymore. Right? You, you're on Jeff, mute. You're Jeff. muted, um, and uh, <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> but you know, like Jeff and I, when when we were at college, we would you know many trips across the street to Flamingo Arcade, where we'd be dumping men. At dollars, tens of dollars of quarters into various machines, X-Men especially. A, um, a lot into X-Men. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that that whole experience, that whole thing just doesn't exist anymore with consoles being as powerful as they are, gaming computers and multiplayer online and all that. I, I, I didn't even think about that, Leo. That's a really good, great point that a lot of these younger kids probably had no idea what it was like to go up to an arcade machine and just play and or a pinball machine. Oh, those pinball machines were fantastic. Anyways. I mean, they, yeah, they, they have a similar experience to Dave and Buster's and stuff. They're trying to, to do that, but you did it it's again. It's a very, there you go. It's a, no, I did. I had oh, to you, cough. You, you were coughing. You didn't have to draw. Saw, Thanks for drawing attention to it. I tried to do it all subtly <laughs> and now everybody knows. No, I'm kidding. Um, Jeff was coughing. Jeff was coughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit different in the Dave and Buster's. It's a lot more kind of like a spectacle, but um, in different types of games and, Everything is like tickets and like right. plushies and whatnot mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to just drop a quarter in, play, and then drop another and another and another. <laughs> now they didn't have to drop quarters. Yeah, they didn't have to drop quarters at the convention, yeah. but uh, it was still the kind of that same arcade experience. You're playing right next to other people, playing other games, all the sounds at once. Like that experience yeah. is just it it's brought gone. back a lot of memories for me. I'm sure it did for you as well, Utah. Oh, absolutely. And I also really wanted to say that they had small pinball machines for the kids. Mm. And I think that that was just honestly, that really is one of my favorite things. Also, when um, I think it was me and you. No, it was one of the interns. We was walking to go meet Utah in the line of the Battletech. Battletech. Uh and see Jeff on stage. Uh, because Jeff was doing his thing. Um <laughs> there was like this little girl and she had that vest on so that way she could go through the little obstacle course to try to get all of the um, Oh yeah, the power Velcro play or whatever. That CGC was. power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Which was a play on the old video video power TV show. TV show and the was other Nickelodeon shows, uh, Double Nickelodeon. Dare, the yeah. uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple it was kind of a homage to all of those, yeah. That was that was the it first was year just, they did that too. This was like the uh brainstorm that they had becoming. It was fantastic. It looked out, yeah, it worked out great. It was phenomenal. Yeah. 
I just loved it. I really loved seeing the, the kids playing, they, even if they have no idea what it's from or why. They just really looked like they were having a, gr- a great time. Utah, tell us about the BattleTech because that was the. I think that was kind of a big experience for you. you you're oh the only goodness. one of the three of us that got to do it. Tell us. Yeah. About it. So yeah. So the two the two biggest things uh, that I really wanted to do at CGC this year was um, meet Tim Misney, which unfortunately didn't happen. I hope everything was okay with the Misney family. There was a family emergency, so he couldn't show up. Um, but then also and do battle tech and battle tech, uh, thank goodness I was able to do it. Uh, the last time I did it was back in the early nineties, back when it was a thing, they actually had battle tech, um, centers, they called them where they had, they've got these pods with, uh, kind of a magnified 3d display in front of you. And you've got other displays. It's like a little cockpit where you can control a mech. You've got a throttle to your left and a joystick and, and triggers and buttons for weapons to your right. And all it is, is um, a bunch of people sitting in these pods, uh, piloting huge mechs, uh, trying to blow each other up for five, 10 minutes. And um, it was fantastic. It was just as good as I remembered. Um, I had a blast, um, literally had a blast. You came in second. I came in second, which was great because somebody had had admitted in our group uh, that they uh, had played before and was uh, chomping at the bit to get back into it. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got a ringer here. We're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a wonderful experience. And then they were ahead of their time. That was like the first time it was kind of an immersive experience before VR, before AR, uh, and also multiplayer. Because uh, back then, the centers, you could have matches with up to, I think, uh, 20 people. 20 mechs in the wow. same oh, wow. same arena playing at the same time. And they had different types of games. Like they had team games. We were just doing kind of a deathmatch thing where it was every person, every mech for themselves. Um, and so that was a blast. That was uh, a great um, visit to, uh, to my nostalgic kind of um, video gaming past. It was a blast. And I forgot that they also print out like uh, mission reports at the end. And... <laughs> What was fantastic was I had forgotten that they kind of do like every time there was an event during the, during during your match, uh, somebody gets blown up or whatever. Then a little note gets put in on your mission brief, and you know they have things like this was before AI, by the way. Um, so you see, hear things like the burning wreckage of Kelsey's Hellspawn is a reminder of all of the prowess of Utah's battle skills. <laughs> that happened and that happened twenty four <laughs> seconds into the match. Um, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff like that, but it was. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, all the pinball machines were so great. There's um, the video games. It was um, it was really awesome. And I think I hope that it's um, in the same spot next year, because I think I think they were successful. The attendance was great. It wasn't very crowded, which was nice, too. Um, the vendors mm-hmm. all looked busy. Um, so I think um, this is a really great trajectory for this for this convention, for the show. Yeah, they, yeah, they've already uh, they've already picked the dates for next year. At least they told the the vendors. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it out loud. I haven't seen it in public. Okay, well, yet, mute, so maybe mute, I won't say it. Mute yourself. Uh, no, nice. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be helpful. Um, oh, here we go. Get no, that's 2023. Okay, I was just looking to see if there was a public announcement before I said anything. Uh, you probably um, you probably shouldn't say anything. It's still multiple days, though. It seems to be the plan. So it looks Good. like everything's according to nice um, going to be, be repeated. And hopefully Battletech will be back. All that kind of fun stuff. Yes. Uh, that'll be fantastic. I um, I do want to mention. So we, we had a booth, which was awesome. We got to get involved in some of the other activities there. 
there were a lot of indie devs. We gave out some awards. Uh, we not we, I say we like War Gun Geek did it, but the um, CGC did. I got to to be a part of that. That was kind of fun to see uh, some of these folks win some awards. Uh, one of the award winning games uh, gave me a copy of it. Clue, oh, nice. uh, Connected Clues. They won for best party game. And they gave me a copy because it's something that we can actually play on the show. So, what? uh, oh, yeah, they want us to use it for a game night. I invited them nice. to come back. So when they come back, we're going to do I a game that. night with them. It's kind of a, it's a fun little uh, party game that you literally, we can play it from here. Like you don't have to have cards in front of everybody. Like somebody could just run the cards and everybody can still play. Oh, so nice. it's, it's really, yeah. So it works out perfect for something like this. We could twitch it and involve the, the audience and everything. So audience. they Very won. Cool. Um, yeah, there were some really great games there. Um, a couple of them coming on the show. Mole Maiden. Uh, you can wish list that now on uh, Steam. But it is a, a great little kind of Metroidvania kind of uh, Scott Pilgrimish feeling art, uh, art style with like co- uh, comic, uh, you know, uh, oh, cool. looks where you're a little girl turns into a drill and the game mechanics on it are really cool. I, oh, I played the demo. Mole, mole as in mole, like mole underground. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Gotcha. And uh, I, uh, I tried the demo with the keyboard, even though it explicitly told me that a controller would be the best experience as it started <laughs> up and I was miserable at it. So I, I know that a controller would be better, but it was really, the game mechanics were kind of clever. So I think that uh, that one uh, most fun, I think, or something was one of the things. So it won an award. They're coming on the show. Um, there's a couple of other games. Uh, we'll talk about them as we get closer because they're coming on the show to talk about them. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. And then, what about the one that I really liked? I can't I even don't know which one that is. I don't darkness. You didn't dark. No, oh, absence, absence of light. light. Uh, absence of that light. one best art direction or something. It won something, and it is fabulous looking. It's a really really cool game. They had a really nice and display. That, that's another nice. one you can wish list on Steam. So both Mole Maiden and Absence of Light. Check them out on Steam. They're both very fun to play, and they're wish listable right now. They're not available for purchase. Uh, but you can get it on wish list. That'll help them out a lot. Even uh, even if you only end up getting the game, it helps them, you know, get that promotion out there. More wish lists that it does have. Uh, so go ahead and do that. That'd be great. Um, but the last thing I want to mention is that we at our booth, we went to raise money for uh, Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital through yes. our favorite charity, Extra Life, yes. uh, which was great. Mm-hmm. We had some uh, Mario Kart challenges, which was kind of amazing. Uh, I don't have the board in front of me, but uh, someone named Jacob uh, did Rainbow Road SNES in like 130, 130. Yep. No, 130. No, 133 was the one above it. Correct. That was his friend. And uh, apparently it turns out he's like second in the state in Mario Kart. Like what? there's this whole uh, nationwide guild or something. Just like and a they're league? part of the Ohio yeah, league. And yeah. he's literally second in the state. So. Once he set that record, nobody else donated because nobody wanted to try to beat it. Like he, like we, we kind well, of sabotaged were, our own. Uh, I don't yeah, know. A lot of people came back. Ryan, to, did. Ryan was, was sure he could beat it. And he came back. So hopefully we were hoping people would be like, yeah, I can do that. Uh, I think eventually people were like, yeah, yeah. But uh, we made a lot of money <laughs> for rainbow, which was good. Uh, we, it was a good uh, opportunity to do that. Um, we do want to remind folks that that's coming up in November, the 24 hour marathon, Utah and I are still working on when, and we're going to do it for sure um, because that weekend is busy. Um, but th- we are still doing 
a marathon. And uh, that weekend, I may actually be doing some stuff with Green Dragon Inn in Akron oh, cool. for the event. So we may be doing some live stuff right there at the at that uh, uh, venue uh, to raise money. And then Utah and I will do the 24 hours a little bit later, uh, hopefully trying to coordinate that together. Um, but I, you do want to check that out. It's at extra life, extra dash life.org. You can get more information. You can do your own 24 hour marathon to raise money for your local children's hospital just by playing games. It's like a 5k or a marathon that you can do from your couch. I love it. That's yeah. <laughs> so uh, get out there, check it out um, underneath right now, scrolling across the bottom of the screen. If you're watching us is uh, how you can oh, donate. Yeah. You can actually donate there, but if you want to play, you can also go, just cut it off at uh, participant slash grounded geek and put that URL in and then, uh, or actually you can go there, click the world, geek, join our team. Cause that way, everything that you raise helps the whole team. So it's kind of, yes. kind of great, but then you can still raise it for your uh, children's hospital. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So there you go. Extra life. Check it out. It's great. If you're a gamer, it's kind of a no brainer uh, to do it yourself. It's a do it yourself fundraiser. Uh, you can help the kids just by doing something you already love to do. Probably oh, already have done many times playing 24 hours in a row. Some people, when I tell them, they're like, yeah, that was uh, last Tuesday, I think. And I'm like, yeah. all right, great. <laughs> well, uh, now you can do it for the kids. I was trying to think of a word that rhymed with, with uh, gamer and no brainer, but I was too slow. <laughs> I saw your, I saw your, I saw your brain working like, there for a second. I, I was trying to finish what I was saying. They let you get it in there, but then yeah, that was, do it. That was a fail. Yep. So that's that was what all happened this weekend. Lots of stuff going on. It was a very exciting time. Can't wait for next time. Uh, but tonight we have a special guest on the show. Um, let me. I was not prepared. Hold on. I had it up on my screen just a second. But remember, I had to restart my computer because my camera wasn't working. And now oh, I'm yes. prepared. Utah, say something. Something. <laughs> you know what I'm curious about is how Girls count on Aaliyah. Thanks a lot, Utah. Go, Aaliyah. You told me to say something. Uh, no, I'm curious about how you guys stay up for 24 hours. Obviously, it's a great cause. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but just like if it's a normal, regular, regular Tuesday. Regular right? what? Regular, 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 I'm looking that up. Regular, Actually, we've got an author on the show. I'm going to ask him if that's an actual word. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it an actual word? Regular, regular. Yeah, just make it up. You know, people say it all the time. Regular, regular. Or do I just do literally? This is the, the first time I've ever heard anyone say it. Oh, so it's a it's me definitely thing. Definitely an Aaliyah thing. No, it, maybe it's, it, it, it could be a family it, thing. There are families that have their little sayings. Right. It may be, and it may be a generational. They may be all the kids are saying regular now. Rachel, <laughs> Rachel, are you still in the chat? Are the right, kids saying regular? Is regular a thing? Oh, Rachel, yes. help me out. Don't okay. let this just Rachel be a she, she won't say, She's going to side with Aaliyah no matter what, I feel like. Oh, just, okay. We've got, we've got a couple sugar. people. Imani says uh, she's also heard that before. Okay. They've heard it before. You guys okay. are great. All right. Oh, look at that. Right. Did you say Imani? Is Imani in Imani? the chat? Mm, mm, mm. She's heard That's it. That's my best friend. So is, so is Rachel. All right. Okay. You're, all you're, right. you're vindicated. Let's, We're just old. Go. We're old fogies. I admit it. That's all right. Do people still say on fleek? Or is that just, is that gone? That's we. I don't. Think that's not. That's not that a regular. Anymore. It's not a regular regular thing anymore. <laughs> no, but it saying just, it's it not a regular regular thing anymore. Utah, no. <laughs> but it's no. But it's, it's not. A, it's lit. I know that much, right? Is, it is lit? that a thing still? Oh no! See, see this is oh, no. this is how this is 
This is how we make oh, those no. phrases go away, Utah. Is as old people, we as use them people, in regular conversation. Gotcha, gotcha, and then gotcha. people are like, uh, yeah, that I guess that's done now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, Rachel. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm joking. I'm kidding. Those are okay. Well, regular degular. There you go. I was wrong. Uh, that's that's heavy. All right. I dig it. Cool. All right. <laughs> Your daughter said yikes. Yep, I, I know I saw that. <laughs> Hey there, fellow music and movie geeks. It's your host, Jeff, a.k.a. Grounded Geek from World Gone Geek. The podcast is real. Welcome to Music Gone Geek, the podcast that's all about those unforgettable songs that make our favorite movies and television shows even more magical. I've teamed up with some incredible guests, fellow geeks and friends to dive deep into their cherished movie soundtracks. We'll explore the stories behind the songs, reminisce about cinematic moments that made us laugh, cry and cheer and uncover the hidden gems that elevate film to art. This podcast is exclusively available for Spotify subscribers. So if you're not subscribed, you can still catch a 30 second preview of the songs. But trust me, to experience the full uncut show, you're going to want to subscribe. So whether you're a movie buff, a music aficionado, or simply looking for a great time, Music Gone Geek has something special for you. It's a front row seat to geek out, groove, and laugh with us as we celebrate the irresistible connection between film, television, and music. So join me and our fantastic guests on Music Gone Geek, exclusively on Spotify. All right. So now that we have used that to pass the time today, (laughs) we have an author who's a master of mysteries and horror who also wears the hat of a history professor. His unique blend of historical knowledge and dark storytelling creates a captivating narrative that transports readers to both the real and the imagined past with a passion for Westerns, science fiction, crime, fantasy, and more. His work transcends genres. He's the author of The Hangman Feeds the Jackal, a gothic Western, and his latest release, The Promise of the Plague Wolves, which I actually had a chance to read, and it's phenomenal. He is Coy Hall. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hi everyone. Hey. Welcome, Coy. All right. Thanks for We're joining glad us. you're Thank still you. with us after all Thank that you. we put you through for the last uh, 20 minutes there. <laughs> it was lit. <laughs> there you go. There we go. Hey, that's yes. just the regular degular show that we do here. That's just how it works. <laughs> Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it goes. All right. Well, Coy, welcome. Uh, this, uh, you're, uh, we'll get in deep into the book here in a little bit, but it just dropped uh, r- r- a couple weeks ago, just a few, not maybe like a week 12th, ago, right? right? The 12th. Yeah. Yeah. Promise of the Plague Wolves. How long has that been, uh, you know, gestating and uh, finally is out for everyone to see? Yeah, I know. It's a, it's your baby, know. right? Isn't that how you think of it as an author? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know if I like the word gestating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot. It's been a, lo- a long time. I actually, this char- the character and it's Doran Toth and he's, yeah. the, he's the main character and he has this greyhound named Vinegar Tom. And they actually appeared in my first book. It was called uh, Grimoire, the Four Imposters, which came out in 2021. And there was a story in that book. It was a collection of um, six stories. And uh, it was a story called The Nightshade Garden. And it was set in Hungary in the 17th century. And that's where those characters came to be. And I wanted to create a kind of a series around him as an occult investigator and so the 
I finished this novel and submitted the uh, submitted the manuscript back in August of 2022. Wow. 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 That's amazing. Well, you sent me an advanced uh, copy. I, I got to read it, which I really appreciate. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, Thank and you for it was it. great. I mean, and I'll be honest, like I read a lot of a lot of authors, um, you know, I try to get on the show and they'll send stuff and it's okay. I mean, there's some good stuff out there, you know what I mean? But it's, you know, you can kind of tell, you know, maybe they need a little bit more work or a little bit, uh, get a couple more books under them or something. But man, I dug right into yours and I could just tell that this was something that you do. Like this is your thing. And the attention to detail and the history, cause I, I, I really like alternative history type stories. Yeah. Um, but when you introduce the, these characters, Doran Toth and, and the dog is my favorite character, <laughs> Vinegar Tom. I mean, he's a whole personality. It's just like, he's one of the best characters. And the whole time I'm reading it, I'm, I felt like, there's got to be more like I, I wondered if it was part of a series I was missed. Like I only jumped in because I only met you online here and there were more books. But I guess so there was just a short story beforehand, but there's more well, to come. Well, yeah, there was one short story before that or before the novel in Grimoire, the Four Imposters. And then in a collection, an anthology called Fiends in the Furrows, which is a collection of folk horror. Um, I have a story, a Doran Toth story called Herald of the Red Hen. And um, then this novel. So there are two short stories and then the novel. And I want to do at least two more novels. The next one's going to be called The Vile Saint. And it's going to be set in 1687 in France. Okay. And then the third one mm-hmm. is untitled, but I want to take him to Port Royal, Jamaica, um, and and have some like some piracy. And oh, my uh, gosh. And no, I, I'm a pirate fan. I love Cowboys and pirates, like I would love a mashup between those. I yeah. think, <laughs> but yeah, sounds I like, like a both movie. of those. Cowboys. Well, and I mean, let's face it. Yeah. My favorite Assassin's Creed game is Black Flag. It's That's just true. by far, yeah, hands down. Yeah, and then true. Red Dead Redemption is my favorite game of all time. So, if you combine those two games into a book, I would be all over that. Well, and <laughs> well, what's interesting about that is you know piracy is contemporary with a lot of things that you don't think it's contemporary with, like the Salem witch trials occur mm. occurred in the same year that the earthquake. Um, destroyed Port Royal and that pirate nest there. So, I mean, they're oh. in, both in 1692. Interesting. You know, um, so they're, they're mm. actually contemporary thing. Like Blackbeard is just, you know, 17 teens. So he's just a generation after Salem. Wow. Yeah. And so, so there's room for all that occult stuff. Yeah. To come up. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I, nice. I actually, wow. I really love uh, the characters, Doran Toth. And like I said, the dog, can you tell, um, Tell everybody, a li- just give a little bit of background on that or the organization that he's a part of, because like he's almost like I mean, I don't want to say John Wick, but you know how John Wick has that like Hulk society of assassins right. and stuff. These guys all have dogs, I think. Right. <laughs> right, is the, is right. the impression I got. That's the gimmick. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Tell us a little bit about this organization he's a part of and why he's doing this. So I, yeah, I had to make something up there and the short stories, I didn't have to do that, you know, cause it was, um, you just kind of thrust him into the action there and then, and then it happens. And with the novel, I felt it needed some type of glue to hold it together. So I created this organization. I had this idea of the, the, it's called the order of St. Gwynfort and Gwynfort is a, saint that is a what you would call a folk saint he's not an, an official saint but he's it's from the 13th century and this is real this is not what i made up 
and he is a greyhound. The, the, the Catholic Church has a, a folk saying, it's, I mean, it's not official, but it's, it's a greyhound, and its name was Gwynfort, and it was in 13th century France, and it was, um, people went to it for healing and things like that and uh, in that time. And so I, I had read this book called The Holy Greyhound, and um, I thought that was just a great idea, this whole legend of this, you know, the, the dog saint. And so I, I made up this organization called the Order of St. Gwynfort and all the occult investigators this is like the, the secret arm of the church. And at times of the Pope just sending these guys around, you know, <laughs> and um, all of them have a greyhound <laughs> with them. And these are like special greyhounds. You know, they're not, the, they're not, they're not screaming when you touch their butts and stuff. They're not like that type <laughs> of greyhound. They're like tough, mean greyhounds. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, they have the, uh, what Toth always says, and it's the, his courage, you know, vinegar Tom's his courage. But, uh, and, uh, so yeah, they all, you get to meet two of them in the book. Uh, the, the older, uh, brother of St. Gwynfort Abelard. He has a, a dog named Godfrey and I think those are the only two in the book, but I'm going to bring more in and future books are going to be other investigators and their dogs. Yeah. That was one of the things I liked the most about it was that little bit of backstory. It's just enough to like tease. It's like, you, you know, it, it grounds it in this reality that, you know, there's a bigger world of this going right. on. And it, now I'm like, okay, now I, I got to meet some of these other people, but Obviously, these two, you know, are the are the ones that that you kind of fall in love with. And Vinegar Tom is like a, a hero in this book. Like he just he's <laughs> I, I, you can tell that you're a dog lover. And I know that right, if you go to yeah. your website, it's clear you have it. In fact, I think your dog may even make a cameo appearance in this or at least <laughs> a, an avatar that represents your your actual dog. Is that true? Very thinly veiled. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, um, the dog, the dog that he meets, and this dog is going to become part of the series too. It's a, a Great Pyrenees. So I have a Great Pyrenees, and I'm obsessed with Pyrenees <laughs> dog. I just love them. So, um, and I had to put one in the book. Uh, my dog's named Duncan. So and so so he is the the whole model for the dog in the book, whose name's Bessina. And he's a boy, and it's and the dog in the book's a girl. That's how it's, that's the only change. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so the name change, and it's a girl in the book. You know, but it essentially, it behaves like this dog. And uh, yeah, so but that's going to be part of the series too. So it's going to be Doran Toth with the greyhound on one side, and the big bulky Great Pyrenees on the other side. That's fantastic. That sounds like fun. So, so you mentioned you know how some of the things like Saint Gwynfort was like a real. Uh, or folk saint, but it's actual history that exists. Um, I want to know a little bit about your journey from being a history professor to a horror and mystery author, because um, honestly, like, again, I, I, like I've said, I I really enjoy alternate history and it makes me go and look up things like what is that part real? Did that really happen? (laughs) And it's like, you've done your, it's like clear that you know your stuff, like you've done your research, like, uh, cause I did, I looked up St. Gwen for it. I looked up, uh, some of the different, like, you know, kind of, uh, demon names in the books that you reference and things like that. And they're real books and they're real, like, you know, uh, things that people have written about. And 
you just you integrate that in there and it just makes it makes you wonder okay so wait did this actually happen during the <laughs> right. flag times what yeah so tell us how you you know which came first were you always a writer and then went into history or were you always into history and then became a fiction writer what kind of how did that happen first i was a writer you know i started writing when i was in, in my young teens and i uh, that was what I wanted to do first. And so I, I wrote my first novel when I was 18 and it's, it's the worst thing that ever exists. It's called Asylum of the Incubus and nobody, <laughs> nobody will. That sounds great. It's like, it sounds like a sci-fi original movie or something. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and it's worse, like significantly worse than a, a sci-fi original movie. Nobody's ever going to see it ever. It's going to be this, this hidden oh, no. thing. But, no, it's it's the oh. nobody wants to see it. <laughs> oh, what if we want to see it? It's bad. I'm, Unless it, I'm very curious. Yeah, well, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna burn the manuscript. I'm gonna keep it for nostalgia, but it's never gonna see the light of day. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but what what it was? Uh, I was writing, and then I was interested in history as well. And believe it or not, it took me a long time to put those two together and think, you know, maybe instead of trying to write contemporary stuff and compete along those lines, maybe you, sh you should combine those interests and set the same the same stories that you're writing and set them in these eras and in the past. And my favorite era to study is the 17th century, the 1600s, and that's what I, you know, mainly what I studied when I was in school. And so that was one of those things that unless you're talking about the Salem witch trials, it's not really an era that is um, written about often. And but it's interesting because that's like one foot in the Middle Ages and has one foot in the modern era. And there's this push and pull of uh, modern and, and 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 ancient ways of thinking. Um, and. Uh, that was the, 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 the really the first story that I did that combined those two interests was called Sire of the Hatchet. And um, it, it was in Fiends in the Furrows 1, and it was uh, the, the folk horror anthology. And um, that uh, ever since I've been writing um, stories, you know, set, set in that period. And sometimes I'll go back to the Middle Ages for stories. And sometimes I have a crime novel coming out in November, and it's set in the 1950s. So sometimes I'll go. <laughs> that's about, that's a, about as modern as I'll get. Maybe 1960s, you know, but no, nothing more than that. Now, so what dra draws you? To, what, what do you think it is that draws you to the doing it in the historical rather than uh, a modern times? Like, is it just... Well, more it, interesting for you is it? Uh, you know, the modern I, times are scary enough as that is <laughs> without no, adding the supernatural. No, no, I, I, I feel like um, what what drew me to it is I my, my favorite genre to read is science fiction. And my my favorite author is Philip K. Dick, and I, mm. I, I I obsess over that, and I I love nineteen sixties science fiction. Like uh, that's just that's the the pinnacle of all writing as as far as i'm concerned <laughs> I, I love it and um what when i first started writing i would try to write science fiction and be kind of derivative of, of philip k dick and harlan ellison and stuff and i couldn't really find my own way of doing it but i like the world building of science fiction and so if you write something in the past like this which is in austria in 1686 this novel 
um, it requires world building because it's not a familiar saying mm. to people. Mm. So I feel like I get to exercise that world building um, with historical fiction and the stories you tell, the plots are the exact same if it was set, you know, in modern times. I mean, they function by beat by beat. The story does the same as contemporary fiction. It's just the world building kind of tricks you into thinking it's a different type of story. Hmm. Mm. Do you have any like methodologies for, or like, um, like things that you do to really get the ideas flowing? Do you have like a notepad and pen and just write out different things? Um, Yeah. My, my ritual is, this this is like the only ritual I have. I always buy a new journal, like a new notebook. It's like one of those nice notebooks, like a leather mm. notebook. Like a moleskin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I get that at the beginning of the process. And I think of this is the idea book. And I just free thinking, right? Anything that comes to mind, anything um, that I absorb in my daily life. If I'm reading a book and I'm like, and I think I like that word, I'm going to put that word in the book. Um, you know, this is an unusual word or it just any idea just that comes to mind. And I just fill this book up with ideas and, and the book takes shape in that notebook. And I, I kind of build it from there. Um, that's the only, the only method I, I really have. You mentioned Philip K. Dick as an influence. That was another yeah. question I was going to ask was, uh, are there other authors that have also kind of influenced you? Who 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 do you read on a regular basis? Kind of my my absolute favorite authors would be Philip K. Dick, and um, you know I, I like other science fiction writers too uh, a lot. And a time, um, one of my Roger Roger um, um, Zelazny and um, like uh, Lord of Light, you know, books like that, hmm. and. Um, Raymond Chandler is a, is a, is one of my favorite writers. I like crime fiction ah. uh, from the ni- 1940s and fifties. I, I see, I like the science fiction for the imagination and I like the crime fiction for the voice, uh, the strong voice of people like Raymond Chandler or David Goodis. Uh, like, uh, he wrote shoot the piano player and, uh, these 19, <laughs> 1950s noir novels set in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, Dark Passage, if you like Humphrey Bogart, um, mm. if you're a Humphrey Bogart fan of his movies, you may have made a, a film version of David Goodis' novel, Dark Passage. Um, the, those are things I like. And as far as um, horror, uh, my, my favorite would be M.R. James, the ghost stories of M.R. James. I like the order of stuff like that. Um, I, lo- I love his yeah. his ghost stories and he was a, a medieval historian too so he's like one of my idols that he was a medieval historian and a writer of ghost stories so, and he's a great to me he's the greatest um author of horror fiction ever That's cool. i love it i'm not familiar i'm not either i mean i've heard the name but i've never read anything by him um and now i'm now you've got me curious i'm looking it up already like what i can um, order well the bbc back in the 70s used to have the ghost stories for christmas and they would always use an mr james story oh okay and um so i mean yeah his famous stories would be like the ash tree and uh, casting the runes maybe his most famous story it was made into a film with dana andrews in the 1957 called night of the demon oh oh, i remember that i know i've heard of that as a demon yeah that's and that's that's a a adaptation of his work 
um, but he's got a lot of collected stuff on Kindle because it looks like some of it might be in the public domain. I think a lot of it is in the public domain. Yeah, yeah. it's over 100 cool. years I'm old. Gonna, so. Wow. I got to add, oh, add wow. this to my list now to start I reading. Did, I did notice on your bookshelf, you've got a, it looks like a Black Mask magazine. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe. So that, that right. makes sense. The, the crime fiction uh, yeah. there. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I'm obsessed with pulp fiction, like uh, actual pulp fiction, not the Tarantino movie. But right, right, uh, right. Uh, but <laughs> Black Mask magazine um, and um, in, any of that stuff from the 30s and 40s. Those short stories, I just, I love it, and that that's been a big influence on me, really. I love like hard boiled writing, like it's like mm. so so tough, you know, like right, um, like. Um, I don't write like that. I don't imitate that, but I like it. You know, I, I, it would be like a caricature. I'm the farthest thing you can be from a tough guy, but like um, the, I love, I love like the private eye stories, you know, yeah, like exactly. Dash, Dash O'Hammett, the Maltese Falcon with Sam Spade mm, and stuff, yes. you know, like they're, they're just obsessed over those things. That's so cool. Yeah. Mute. <laughs> Sorry. Have you read Alfred Bester? Yeah. The Demolished the, Man? Oh, we just read, read the, yeah. The, the yeah we just, oh, yeah. That one was Alfred good. Alfred Bester's, I love him. And um, The Star is My Destination. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. fantastic. And, uh, but The Demolished Man is incredible. And That's it's what big, makes me think of when you said, like, the kind of, it's well, a yeah. really interesting mix of that that detective style yeah, and like uh, sci-fi and he's sci-fi. A, and he's a big, big influence on Philip K. Dick. I mean, he was mm. early, early 50, mid fifties, you know, yeah, and I yeah. think 55 or something, maybe around that, 53, I think on the demolished man was 1953. And, uh, right when Philip K. Dick was still writing short stories, you know, uh, right. uh, before he got into novels. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love Bester. Yeah. So, who else do you who else do you like as a side if you if you're interested so, in reading science fiction? I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, so the reason I mentioned that one is some friends of some friends of the podcast have a, another podcast that's a friend of this podcast called, called Promptly Written. And uh one of them is an author who's written uh, several books. Um uh, and then Matt is a short story author. He's he's a friend of ours, and they do a podcast together where they take a prompt from their their followers on Facebook and stuff. Usually Utah, it seems like it's a lot of them in there. I've had a few, like he's usually, yours usually win though. It seems like if you want to hear, um, but they get a prompt and then the two of them will, over the next month will write a short story and then they read it on the show and they talk about the writing process and how they, you know, and yeah. sometimes they're great. And some of them they're like, you know, well, I only had 30 days. This is what we had, you know, but I think they're all pretty good considering. And uh, absolutely. They, they also do a uh, occasionally will read a book together and yeah yeah and we do a crossover episode usually in may or march march or it's an m month march (laughs) i think it's the beginning yeah yeah march March. where we all do write write the short stories with them so we all all five of us do a do a uh, and we read a book together and this that demolished man was the last one one that we had read Mm -hmm. um and yeah, but I love him a lot. I really no, love it was pale blue eye. Oh, no, right. I'm no. sorry. You're right. It was the first one that we did together. The first, in the one first we did crossover. The right. My bad. Man. Uh, the pale blue eye didn't have as much of a impact as the demolished man did apparently, <laughs> yeah. but I wow. loved it because it's that alternative history. You know, it's all about, you know, Poe getting involved in a murder mystery. Like that was pretty amazing. 
so that was another good one. But the book um, was better than the movie. That's all I got to say. It sure was. Very much. We did both because we're the kind of the movie side and they're the book side. So we, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know as far as like, I mean, my, my all time favorite author is Stephen King. I just, I adore him. I, I discovered him at a very young age, probably younger than I should have been to read Stephen King. (laughs) And I've been hooked ever since. Um, I really like Neil Gaiman. Um, those are kind of more, you know, modern Those are authors that are still alive. I love Lovecraft. Uh, you know, um, not all they're hard they're harder to read some of them yeah <laughs> um than than some of the more popular stuff but uh yeah um that kind of i like i'll read just about anything though um so but yeah the promise of the plague wolves it, it was right up my alley i thought that was a really really you know and i want to warn people i'm going to just throw this out there i i told uh we talked about these amazing dogs and the this cool investigation um and i don't want people to think that it's just it's just about like these sweet dogs that are really cool. <laughs> There's a lot of like horror going on in this thing too. <laughs> There's a lot of, you yeah. know, scary stuff and, and, you know, it's a, a little body horror and some things like that, but that, that was also quite good. It's about the plagues and, uh, and some really, really uh, creepy, scary creatures, which were really good. Oh, you've got a visitor. Speaking, <laughs> speaking, speaking of the cute, cute something, dogs. Something. That's the, the fact that's that, the the fact that he comes. some spirit opened the door. Wait, the fact that he just walked in and was like, "This is." Uh, it's like they mentioned the dogs. I better come in. Yeah, yeah. He was like, <laughs> and again, we love you, podcast <laughs> listeners, but you're not oh, seeing the, the beautiful sweetheart. dog that we're about to get a glimpse of here. Oh, my he's a goodness. big one. No, he's a hundred. He's a one hundred and sixty pound baby. Wow, Dang, he's a big oh, dog. Yeah. That is a beautiful dog. Just a big bubba's. And he's not. He's being <laughs> just a, for some reason camera shy right now. <laughs> just no. Jeff camera. mentioned that uh, that he makes an appearance, you know, a cameo appearance in your book. But <laughs> I want to say that he makes a lovely cameo appearance in the uh, YouTube video you did, the journey into the macabre volume two, <laughs> right. which I thought, which I found, it would do, I found very entertaining. So, right. So uh, I did those for this one. Shut him out of here. By the way. He's doing his round of woofing um, that he does each night, but I, for the, the school that, that I work at, does every um, October does like wanted me to come up with this thing for like um, a scary story type of thing. And um, it was start, it was during the pandemic. I was like right during the height of that. So we couldn't oh, do anything yeah. in person. So I had right. to think of something, something, something to do. And, you know, I'm not the, the most charismatic human being on camera. So I was thinking oh, I'm going to make my, I'm going to make my animals do stuff <laughs> on camera because people will be looking at the animals and they won't be looking at me. And um, so in the first video, we have uh, Benji the cat, which actually was my sister's cat. We went to her home and filmed just for use of her black, she had a black cat. So I was like, we got to oh, go get the, we got to go after the black cat, you know. And he sits behind me in that one. This is volume one. Yeah, he sits on top of the chair. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he riffs down decorations during it. And I I swear to you. So he does that. And in that moment, my entire being is just saying, do not break 
character. <laughs> <laughs> don't look because I know I know it's golden. I know he's ripped and he's just like because you just hear stuff crashing behind me and I'm just <laughs> Vincent pricing it still, you know. Laser focus. That's hilarious. Just in, and just absolute turmoil inside. Like, you know, at that time, like, damn it, do not break and look back. And like uh, behind my wife is behind the camera and stuff, and she's laughing. And in that oh, moment, this is very and there's this very subtle thing. The camera shakes. Oh, <laughs> right? The camera shakes. I mean, right. it's so subtle. And it's because they're behind the camera laughing. So to make it even worse, I'm looking at them laughing, you know, and they're you're right. So you've got it, you're getting it from yeah. both it's sides. My, is my sister and my 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 wife were like side by side behind the camera here, and I'm just trying not to laugh. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to have to go back and watch for that now. Give me 30 seconds. But it's just, yeah, it's just a little wobble <laughs> in it. Then, and the second one, I, I, could, I couldn't top Benji, you know, he's just too, it was too impressive and it, it was worked too cute. well. So, so I was like, I got to get the, the huge dog in here and to do something. And he's too lazy to actually do anything. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm going to make him jump, jump on this table and grab an apple. And what the hell does he care about an apple, you know? Sounds like the apple is sitting up there. And we just kept doing it and doing it. And he would just walk in there and stare and walk off. <laughs> walk in there and stare. We're just in there kind of coaxing to that, get the apple. Get, get the apple. Get the apple. You know? Um, and we tried it for like 30 minutes to get him to jump. And finally, we come up with the idea that <laughs> to rub steak fat all over it to get like steak grease on the apple so it's like this nasty apple <laughs> sitting on the table like staining it and it's just sitting there glistening and it looks like it's like a cartoon apple or something you know um but it's a steak grease by the way if you watch that oh there you the, go the, the, oh, camera, the camera trick there Duncan and went for it too and the first time he jumped up here and he's so huge, you know, he's like <laughs> onto the thing and the whole the whole camera and everything shakes because of doing so I added like these like alien sci-fi sounds to it, like he's this creature attacking. <laughs> they so say you shouldn't work great. with children or animals, and I think that's why they, they they're gonna make it difficult I, for I, you. I have to retire from the journeys of the macabre too, because I, I can't I don't have any more animals. <laughs> I don't know what's I next. Can't, how can, can top, how can you top it? How can you top it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you live in West Virginia. There's plenty of animals out there. Oh. Just wild, wild animal. Yeah. <laughs> just, just go out. Yeah, just, 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 just me. Grease like, up a couple more apples and lure a mountain lion in. And just, go, like, just, <laughs> you should go out and frolic with deer. Yeah, yeah. Just, just kind of blur witch it with your phone. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, it should work. Yeah. Get a lot of ticks. Yeah, <laughs> be nice. That's for sure. Yeah. Talk about a horror right. story, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'll yeah, th- I'll you, think about it. Yeah. You, uh, uh, Aliyah brought that up that you you are from West Virginia. Aliyah and I mm-hmm. are both from West Virginia as well. Oh, okay. um, in fact, I grew up in Huntington um, for until uh, my seventh grade year. Moved to Boston for about half a year, and then I was in South Point, right across right. the river there. Uh, for uh, until I graduated high school, so and yeah, Aaliyah, you, you weren't far from there, right? Oh, I was far from there. I lived in Branchland, which I don't oh. think any of you are familiar with. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, not a huge. It's state. like an hour. No, it's no. like an hour, uh, about an hour and a half away from Huntington. Okay. Okay. So yeah, um, are you familiar with like Milton area? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So I st- I went to Cabell Midland. Okay, so you're That's not cool. not not That's too not far, far. there. Yeah, same cats. No, same no, I, that was when yeah. I transferred. Oh, gotcha. Well, when I transferred, oh, but I, I went gotcha. to Lincoln County before that. Are you familiar with yeah. Lincoln County? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just don't so don't I'm, ask me to point out it out on a map. But yes, <laughs> that's okay. We don't need that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do that. I can, I can pretend. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. were you born and raised Lincoln? there in Huntington Coy, or is that uh, no? Um, uh, no, I, I actually not far away. I, I, I was born and my dog keeps barking. He's, he's very upset. But I was born in, right. in Kentucky and moved here. My my wife went to school at Marshall, and um, so that's why that's my my connection here. So that's why okay. I, I I hopped state lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, yeah welcome. Marshall's. I grew up on that campus. My mom uh, retired as uh, she worked at the library at Marshall library. almost her whole life. My whole life at the library. Yeah, as a head of the cataloging department. And that's where she retired from. Yeah. So I was, she was a single mom. And so I, I literally lived in that library It's the reason I love books so much today is because I grew up in that well, library. I, I thought it was odd too, because that's not something we knew about one another, but when you reached out to me, so, cause you asked me, what part are you from? And I was like, well, it's Huntington. And I was trying to explain where it was. And you're like, I grew up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to explain, you know, but yeah, um, but I, I that small world. Yeah. Yeah. I went yeah. to Miller Elementary well, there in Huntington. I lived, uh, I lived on Utah Place. We were, we were in Waltham, walking distance to the park. Yeah, Utah didn't live. Uh, that wasn't, it me. wasn't yeah, That didn't. was my first exposure to Utah. Was Utah <laughs> right. Place? Place spelled. Wow, that's so ironic. Well, it's spelled even more different. So it that's was E U T A W or something like that. It was, that, like, sounded, I, it was I like phonetically sounded out, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it was like it was. It meant it was like. You know, fate that I was going to eventually become friends with you, though. Obviously, and there was another Utah in your life that came back later. Yeah. Again. <laughs> I wonder, did I have any Jeffs or Utahs? I don't know. I don't think so. That's too funny. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, do you teach at Marshall then, or where do, where do you teach? No, I'm in Kentucky at Ashland Community College. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Spent a lot of time in Ashland too. When I was yeah. in South Point, it's right across the other bridge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, South Point, we, we claim, you know, we're the, the, there's a little sign on the, on the edge of the river that says, if you stand here, it's the only, you can see three states three at once. Three states. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, look, there's West Virginia. There's Kentucky. And <laughs> if I turn around, there's Ohio. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Too fun. Um, that's awesome. Um, I lost where I was. We started waxing nostalgic about Huntington and now I'm like lost my place. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, when you're teaching, so how do you balance your academic life as a history professor with your creative life as an author? Well, I, what I try to do from, for me, writing every day is important. So I, I, I have to have continuity day to day, especially with big projects like a novel, because, you know, that could take, um, writing the first draft of a novel can take two months, you know, every, writing it every day. And, um, and I have to have that continuity. <clears throat> and so what I'll do is write, try to make a habit out of it. And I'll do it at the same time each day. Um, I'm naturally a morning person. So I get up and I start writing around five o'clock in the morning and I write until seven. So I write five until seven each day. 
and that's it. Um, it's five until seven and then go on with my regular day. But I devote those two hours to writing each morning. And then that makes it makes it pretty easy to balance that way. Yeah. Now the other Ooh, books, the discipline. Yeah. The other books that you have mentioned um, were short story collections. Is Promise of the Plague Wars the first full length novel then? Or is there another? The the Hangman Feeds the Jackal that was is, the, okay. uh, is my first novel. And then so the Promise <laughs> of Plague was the second novel. The other two are short story collections. Yeah, I, I actually uh, mentioned that in the uh, in the intro and then asked that question anyway. So there you go. That shows how much I was paying Those attention to myself. Published novels too. Okay. Yeah. Um, but writing is one of those things that you see the tip of the iceberg and there's a lot more under the water. So I think before my first published book, I had, I had written up to that point, six novels that were unpublished oh, wow. and um, wow. just as practice, you know, like that one I was talking about when I was 18. <laughs> oh, and, the, uh, <laughs> um, and so I, I have, a, you know, this, this on um, these old files and I kind of think when I, you know, if I ever hit a, a dry spell, maybe go rework one of those old novels. And so I have mm. a, a stack stack of <laughs> yeah. novels, you know, to, to work with, but I, but I'm not going to do that just yet. So Steve, Stephen King has talked about that. I think in, I think in one of his, cause he likes to write about writers a lot. Right. Uh, they say, write what you know, and there you go. But there um, you go. I think it was, uh, oh gosh, which one was it? There was, there was one I'm blanking on the title of it takes place near a lake and it's, it's a novel. Um, but in it, it's a writer and he has like a trunk with a bunch of his, like of books that he can pull out whenever the publisher's bugging him for something that he, uh, yeah, that's and he's not it. finished what, what he's working on. He's like, well, here's one I have kind of in the, that, in the what, bank that, for him. That's what pet cemetery was. wasn't yeah. a, I think he had, um, back in like 83 or whatever he had, a deadline. And so he just picked up pet cemetery and finished it. <laughs> and I think it was one of, that's what they call trunk novels, you know? And yeah. so that's, um, that's, what he, that's what he did with pet cemetery. Yeah. Was yeah. that dark half you're talking about? No, no, it was, uh, I'll find it out. I'll look it up when, when after dark half is the one that break in that, the, I think that's that the one where he is his, yeah. his, uh, alter ego, the alter writer. ego. pen yep. name comes after him basically yep, is yep, like yep. a, so he was imagining Richard Bachman, I guess, was going to come and get him or something. Um, and I think that was what inspired it because somebody somebody forced him out of you know that because Using they recognized that. his writing mm. and said, "We think you're Richard Bachman." And he's like, "Doggone it!" <laughs> it's like fine, you know, oh, which well. I think is a lot better than what how I think J.K. Rowling did it because I I'm pretty sure that she released the the first uh, whatever it is uh, Richard Robert. Goldthwaite or I forget not that's Bobcat Goldthwaite what is it it's with Gilbraith or something yeah or something she released uh, that first novel and it didn't do very well and then some somehow (laughs) it leaks that this is really J.K. Rowling and the next thing you know it sold like a billion Mm, copies the next day so you know I don't know Richard Bachman was selling books even when Stephen King they didn't know it was Stephen King so at least he's got that going for him I guess but not as many as Stephen King but um, now you know now he just throws it on there for fun like he still wrote like three more Richard Bachman books well after everyone knew Uh, and so it was just kind of fun I like like Stephen King quite a bit too Uh, um, I like his earlier stuff 
best. I think my, sure, my, my I favorite is probably The Shining is probably my favorite oh, of his gosh. novels. You just, you nailed it. That's like, <laughs> don't, don't get him started. Oh my gosh. So The Shining is my all time favorite Stephen King book, even though The Stand uh, is too. probably, yeah. Yeah. it's probably back. very much, <laughs> yeah. The Stand is very much, you know, one of the greats. And everyone says that's Obviously, number one. Yeah, but yeah. The Shining is, for me, that was one of the first books that I remember being scared to death reading. Like yeah. movies scare me easily, right? Because it's visual, there's music, there's all this. But I remember reading The Shining and literally being like, I'm done for the night. I'm just going to, let's, that, it, it I'll come back to that later. Yeah, the, head, the, head, the hedge animals scared exactly. me. Exactly. Thank you. No one. <laughs> and that's what he. That's what Kubrick took out of it. I uh, know it's not. But when they yeah, start moving in the book, my no, imagination no. was just worked. I'll tell you one thing that scared me. Another thing that stands out in that novel in my memory are the wasps. Another thing Kubrick yes. cut. Two, yeah. thing, two amazing things that never made it to film. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love, yeah. don't get me wrong. I love the Kubrick film. It's a great movie. It's just a terrible adaptation the of yeah. the book. Right. Yeah. Um, on its own, it's a very scary, chilling movie, but not, not even close to what the book, uh, you know, put forth in terror for me, I think right. is still way scarier than the book or, and then the movie. So anyway, but yeah, Stephen King, yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. Don't get me started on that. In fact, we're, I love it. I love it so much that Matt, the other guy I was telling you about from promptly written, he and I are starting a Stephen King podcast where we're going through the dark tower series and all of the, the Stephen King extended universe that are connected to it. So tower, uh, that was cool. a little plug for that. So, so be looking out for that guys. It's coming yeah, out. Yeah. October, What's the name probably. of that podcast, uh, Jeff? It's mm-hmm. called other worlds than these. There it is. And I said that really cool with my uh, sinus infection voice there. (laughs) I get a lot more deeper. That that'll be gone by the time we actually record that, and then and then it'll sound sound like me again. Other worlds than these. (laughs) Yeah, not nearly as intimidating, right? Okay, so um, I I think I have some friends on here watching, but they are writers. So I am curious about um, the publishing process or like what your process is um, or any advice that you could give them if they're still tuned in. Yeah. So uh, I think a good, a good way to establish relationships with publishers is through doing anthologies and publishers will do open call anthologies, usually themed. And um, the, the, Publisher who did my three of my books, the Grimoire and uh, Grimoire book and Hangman and Promise of Plague Wolves. It's called Nose Touch Press. And they did the Fiends and the Furrows. And they also even earlier than that did a, 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 a an anthology back in 2015 called Wax and Wayne, which was um, witchcraft stories. And I had, that was my first connection with them. So that, that I, with Wax and Wayne in 2015, I had, and this was just like an open submission call and I submitted to them and that was accepted. And then they did in 2018, they did the Fiends and the Furrows, the folk horror anthology, and I did Sire of the Hatchet and that was accepted. And they, at that point, reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do a book with them. And that was my way and into it and so grimoire is the book that um that came out of that and then we did we've done two more since um but i think you know as far as networking and getting to know publishers and um usually behind the name there's just a, a few people you know and once you once you get to know them that's um 
there's, there's going to be kind of s- strong connections to have. And the, the best way to do that is short stories. I think as a writer, period, um, you, you really must write short stories first. Uh, uh, Ray Bradbury is another one of my favorite writers. Yeah. And he had... Um, there's this book I remember reading and it was like, as it was a hundred stories by Ray Bradbury. Okay. And the man wrote like thousands of stories, but yeah, it was like, wow. it was like, this is the top 100, <laughs> the top 100 Ray Bradbury short stories. And it just, it's unreal, like 1600 page book. And, but he wrote Jeez. this great introduction to it. And I, I took that, that, that introduction to me, it's like a hundred by Bradbury or something like that. And that, introduction written by him was my, I consider it my education in writing totally. Wow. Like he influenced, his advice influenced me more than anybody. And I'll tell I'll tell you what he said. He said, you want to write short stories before you tackle novels because you need a lot of successes and a lot of failures. And you want them just quick turnaround. You want failure, 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 success, failure, success, failure, failure, <laughs> failure, success. Um, because you got to have those little crumbs to keep you going. This little successes, little victories that keep you going. And he said, if you write a novel, it's going to take you six months. And, it's, and if it keeps getting rejected, there are no successes, right? It's just long term waiting failure. And, and so he said, you really need to cut your teeth. And his advice was write one million words of short stories before you write a novel. Wow. And a million words mm. of short stories for a, a 300 page novel is about 80,000 words. Jeez. To put that in perspective of like wow. how many short story, 80, so a common short story might be 5,000 words. Right. You know, so you write a million words. And I did that. Like I actually wrote a million words of short stories because Ray Bradbury, I was like, well, Ray Bradbury wouldn't know. <laughs> Why would he not know? Why not listen to this guy? And um, I did that. It took me 10 years to write that. A hundred thousand words a year of short stories. And I was right. And that works up to like 25 short stories a year. Like, you know, 4,000 yeah. words a piece, maybe with, with varying length. And, um, it took me 10 years to write a million words. And he said, don't, don't go to school for writing. It's not going to help you. Um, nobody can teach you how to write. There's only one way to do it. It's read constantly and write 1 million words. Wow. Mm. And it's true. I, I think it's absolutely true. There's no magic trick to writing. It's just like, that's it, like mm-hmm. that 10,000 hour rule, you know, get in there and do it just and write and write and write and write. Um, and um, that, that, that to me is getting back to the, I got way off track there, but um, writing short stories for anthologies is a good way to establish relationships with publishers. That actually helps segue into my next question. I know that you're also involved with the Scythian Wolf, right? Tell us a little bit about that because um, you guys have an anthology yeah, yeah. right now that you're looking for submissions for, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start my own press. I thought that would be kind of a stupid thing to do, you know, like why not? <laughs> so just, um, <laughs> it's like success, success, success rates, you know, less than 1%. So what, let's, let's give that a shot. Why not? Let's see what happens. Why not? But, no, well, I, I, it's it's one of those things. It's really just a labor of love on the side, and the Scythian Wolf's going to do historical horror anthologies, and I'm going to do one per year, one per year. And the first one that we're doing, and this is an open call. It's ongoing. For anybody who wants to submit a story to this, it's for the First World War. It's it's called Death's Other Kingdom, which is you know. Our, 
if you know T.S. Eliot, the poem, uh, I, I ripped that <laughs> off from, from a T.S. Eliot. Um, but I thought it was cool. And so Death's Other Kingdom, um, horror tales of the Great War and of World War One, And this is an open call for stories that are 4,000 to 9,000 words long. So I want substantial stories, not just short shorts, but the... Um, Anybody's welcome to submit and you just go to the scythianwolf.com is, um, and that's S-C-Y, um, S-C-Y-T-H-I-A-N. But the, um, that's what the press is. And I, I'm going to do a different thing each year. I love like ancient Egyptian history. So I was like, I'm going to do like an ancient Egypt anthology. No need. Um, and I'm going to do, I love like I write about the 17th century. So I was going to do like Louis the 14th France, like Versailles and stuff like that, that era. And um, just if, if since it's a labor of love, my thinking is, um, if it's not very marketable and nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to fill. I'm going to fill this void. I'm going to step in, and and I would want to read that book, and so I'm going to create those books. Yeah, very I, cool. thought, I think that sounds wow. fascinating. And when I saw that uh, call, um, I mean, I'd love to be a writer. Like that's something I've always wanted to do, and I've written lots of things in the past. Like never written a novel that's sitting in over there. I've written a lot of short stories that'll never see the light of day either. Mostly because I lose them and who knows where they are. So maybe they will see the light of day. Somebody's going to find them in a trunk and like publish it and be like, who wrote a this trunk garbage? in someone but, else's house? Exactly. Yeah, no, I, um, but I think that's fascinating. It made, it actually like sparked me to start thinking of like ideas, like, well, what, what kind of well, horror story do, would I you tell? You should do it. You never know. Mm. Well, I'd have to write it between now and November 1st, <laughs> which is the, uh, you know, like, we'll see if that's World the kind War of One uh, horror. It actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. No, I had I an idea. So I did come up with an idea again. It was just will, like, would I be able to sit down? Let's say time? when we're looking at this, um, we want um, diversity and and place and theme and characters and all that. And I, th I think that the toughest way to get into the anthology is writing about trenches at this point. Um, <laughs> right. No kidding. Th three fourths of the stories I, we've received involve trenches. Trenches. Yeah. So I want stories in the air and I want stories <laughs> at sea um, and stories in trenches. Yeah. Because I think that's the first thought that comes to mind sure. with the wars, trench warfare. And You're so right. if your stories, I want those, but it's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of competition because I'm not yeah. going to, you know, it's not going to be all trench stories. All so trench all the time. I, I want like a submarine story, like a German U-boat type of thing. But oh yeah, uh, that could be. Yeah, that started in World War. I. Okay, yeah. I, I know I, there's so many things in it, you know, that you could yeah, write yeah. about there. That's and it takes place everywhere around the world. It doesn't just take place in France and Germany. You know, they're fighting in Africa and they're fighting right. in the Middle East and they're fighting um, in Russia and they're fighting all yeah. around. So, well, I will admit the idea that I had does happen in France, but it's not in a trench. So, so maybe I'll at least write it. It takes place in a little small town. It, it's, yeah, write it. See, I'm I'm also you know a video. I also think in terms of short films, and I'm like I wanted. I'd rather be a filmmaker than a writer, but I like to write and then film it. And so my my it came to me as a short film. So small cast in a in a you know kind of claustrophobic setting in France during the war, 
and, no I, and I had actually done some research and there's no trenches and <laughs> to some of the, the, you know, the old mythology of that area and uh, how that might be a real thing that came to life. And that's, that's something that I was working on. So we'll hey, see when you if say I have something, time, I can make it happen. I'll try to send it. Hey, <laughs> cin- cinematic, cinematic is good and stories. Yeah. I mean, you visualize it. I'm a, I'm a movie fanatic anyway. So I'm yeah. like, I love Same. Uh, cinematic stories that I can visualize <laughs> easily. So I, if you take that approach. So okay. well, we'll see, we'll see. That's, Aaliyah, that's not Aaliyah. a lot of time. There's no poetry submissions, just so you know. So yeah, it says that specifically. So sorry, I'm looking at just just reading through the site here. That's okay. (laughs) It is not missing out on anything. (laughs) One one day, maybe. The only thing was with this one, with the first one, I'm trying to keep it compact too. I want to keep the book around 200 pages. So we're probably going to get around eight stories. You know, eight stories and kind of keep it. Yeah, keep I think nice people, succinct. Well, anthologies wear out their welcome. You know, yeah. if you're uh, reading a themed a themed <laughs> collection, it's 400 pages, and you're reading the same type of stories over and over again. I think that can get very very tiresome. So I think 200 pages is about. <laughs> we oh, we have some trend. friends that yeah, have published yeah. a lot of uh, essay anthologies on different pop culture topics and stuff, and those guys have. Right. I have talked about that too. <laughs> just yeah. reading all the submissions and, and just kind of like trying to weed through uh, what works. I do have a question though, that might be on other writers minds. If you, if you submit to something like this, or if you submit to an anthology, is that still a short story you can publish in your own short story collection? You know, like I know that Stephen King, uh, a lot of his short stories that he publishes in his own collections I've been in magazines and all other different places. So you still retain the, you know, the rights to do that. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, if, if, if when you get a contract for a short story, um, a red flag, it's, it's a predatory contract. If they have perpetual rights. Mm. Yeah. That's never good. If, if they ask for perpetual rights, generally what I, I, kind of a, a clean, you know, safe contract is the, the people who publish a story will have exclusive rights to that story for one year from publication. Okay. okay. Meaning mm-hmm. that they ask, don't post it online. Mm-hmm. Don't publish it in a book. So they don't, have a chance to publish it. That's the whole point, right? They and, want- and sell it. You know, you yeah. want to say, we want to, we don't want to, we want and for one year and after one year all rights and this is a, a good again a good contract all rights revert back to you yeah okay nice. all of them yeah. go back to you everything and yeah. everything goes back to you yeah. and um the that's a standard contract so if you were to publish this in this world war one book i'm thinking it's going to come out like may of next year i would ask that just let me hang on to this until May, 2025. And then, yeah. it all, and it goes back to, you can do whatever you want with it at that Interesting. point. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I how that worked. It's gotta be fair, right? You know, if you, you want the publisher of the anthology to be able to include yeah. it and, and make their money and publicize it and spread the word. That's essentially what you're, you're paying for when you buy a short story from somebody a year. I want this story. This is going to be mine to use for a year, you know, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to you. You're just leasing the story. <laughs> so right. you're, you're, you don't there own you the story from the person, you know, you're yeah. like, I'm going to pay you to hand this over to me for a year and then I'll give it back to you. Right. <laughs> cool. 
Well, Corey, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been fascinating. It's great to talk to you. It was really great to hear some of the kind of behind the scenes of that story. I really appreciate the opportunity to have uh, read it. I think I'm going to have to get a, a physical copy now. Um, thank you. So, thank and you. next time I come down to Huntington, I'm going to find you and get you to sign it. We'll we'll see. All right. Well, my do mom that, lives yeah. in Weirton now. I don't go to Huntington as often, but I have lots of friends down there. So. Uh, I'll send somebody to hunt you down to get a that, 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 that sounded like a Stephen King novel, Jeff. <laughs> Didn't that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be look the a little bit like Kathy Bates. Um, I'm be, uh, and just if she's carrying him. a baseball bat or an axe, just run away. You can't miss me. It's I'm the, I'll be the guy walking the huge white dog <laughs> right. outside. You know, this monster dog. That's me, probably. If you see me out there. No, frolicking with the deer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right, yeah. Right, Making yeah. a new video. That's my top secret, like <laughs> oh, scary right. movie project. There, right. there you go. <laughs> so tell everybody how they can find you online. Uh, also remind everybody where they can pick up a copy of Promise of the Plague Wolves. Yeah, so my, that's my latest novel, The Promise of Plague Wolves, and it um, is available everywhere. Um, if you want to buy it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble, it's all uh, obviously available there, but so you can also get it from local bookshops by through bookshop.org, bookshop.org. And you can order it and say, if you have like a mom and pop bookstore, indie bookstore in your community, they'll buy, they can buy it through that. And it is available that, that way. Um, as far as, um, getting in touch with me or are checking up on what I, what I'm writing. Uh, my website is coyhall.com easy enough, coyhall.com or the Sith, Scythianwolf.com. And I'm on Twitter. I'm not going to call it that other name. Um, <laughs> Thank you. On Twitter at, at coyhall books. <laughs> and I tweet there. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I might retweet <laughs> something from you. Um, but at Koi Hall Books there and uh, Instagram, the same at Koi Hall Books. Uh, technically on Facebook, but I don't really <laughs> don't use Facebook. It's easy, easy. I'm, at, I'm at the Blue Sky place too, trying something out oh, new. Oh, Blue so, Sky, yes. Yeah. yeah and some Koi Hall yeah. there and some. I haven't been yeah, we're over to there it. too. We have a world gone geek on blue sky. I don't think really? I've actually, what do you call it over there? I don't think I've tweeted anything there. I think it's a tweet. All, all those I tweet on threads. <laughs> I tweet <laughs> on Twitter and I tweet on X and I tweet, tweet on uh, everything. Instagram. Everything is a tweet now. It's a tweet or a post. Those yeah, exactly. Like, that's it. It's like Kleenex um, and tissue. But uh, yeah, Koi, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm absolutely. You so much. Uh, we'd love to, Maybe we'll um, have you back uh, next year and talk about the anthology when you've got oh, that yeah, published and yeah, out there yeah. and stuff like that. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell them all about how awesome my story is when I get we'll it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have bragging, <laughs> bragging rights at that point. That's right. We'll that's see. Right. That's a, I'm, I'm very that's a short amount of time. To flattery. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. Um, <laughs> this is this is this is the best non-trench story I've ever read. Right. <laughs> right. I, I am literally sitting here telling and saying that oh gosh, 30, 30 days is just not a lot of time to write a short story. And Matt 
Shigeric is out there somewhere. We were just, going, well, we, were just, <laughs> you were just we were just talking about properly. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, they do it every like, month. dude, we do this every month. Shut up. All right. Every so month. if okay. he can do it, he's like the, you know, the minimum's four thousand words. Think yeah. of it as five hundred words a day. You can knock yeah. out. Oh, now eight I days. now, now I definitely see? can do it. <laughs> That's smart. That's a smart way to do it. That <laughs> is no, even, even worse. <laughs> no, I'm gonna give that a try. So I've been trying to do the five o'clock thing that you said to get up earlier because I'm. I am a little bit of more, more morning person. My alarm goes off at five thirty now, but I get up around seven thirty. <laughs> so uh, I need to get past that part, um, but then I will be able to to write for that. And then I teach I teach at nine thirty, so I, there is time in there. You know what I mean? So you for just, me to, just set your alarm to, two hours to earlier. Five hundred words out. Yeah, set it for three three thirty. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. No, yeah, not going to happen. I'm just going to get angry. I'm going to throw my alarm right. Just yeah. <laughs> Five thirty is already hard. I mean, I, I, I right now I wake up, you know, because I'm an old man. I wake up at like you know before the In alarm the anyway, the a little bit, and then I grab my watch and put it on so that when the alarm goes off, it'll it'll vibrate my watch instead of waking wow. up my wife. So that okay. seems to work out. Mm-hmm. If I do it three okay, o'clock, technology. it's gonna wake her up because I'm not gonna wake up in time to get the watch. You know, my whole method is like ruined. So okay, all right, we'll see. all right, all right. Yeah, all right. I have to I have to charge it overnight. Or I can't write to bed or it'll die, you know. Correct. So anyway, yeah. there's a method to my madness. Um, if you say so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been a, a great show. Again, thank you, Koi, for being here. Uh, what do we have next? Let's see. Um, I don't know. What do we have next? I don't remember who's. I, don't, I think I'm still trying to nail down the guest for, for the next show, which is in two weeks right here at 930 on well, Facebook and Twitch and uh, YouTube as we are at this very moment. We also will be, um, Oh, I wanted to remind people. So if you want to see a little bit more about Cleveland gaming classic, go to our YouTube channel. We did broadcast live from there about Mm -hmm. the length of an actual show, which is an hour and 15 minutes, typically hour 30. Um, And that was a lot of fun. We did some live commenting, commentating on uh, Mario Kart, Kart, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so check that out on YouTube. It's just your regular, regular. Yeah. Check that out. And then um, <laughs> don't forget to check out Music Gone Geek, our new music show exclusively for spot exclusively for Spotify oh subscribers, because uh, if you're not a subscriber, you'll only hear the previews the of music, but you get the whole songs. If you subscribe, check that out. It's a lot of fun to go through nostalgic old soundtracks with some of our other guests who have come on. Koi, do you have a favorite movie soundtrack? Like uh, with the pop so- soundtrack, not the orchestral, but actual songs like the radio yeah, songs score, that you would hear. Yeah, yeah. Like song songs. I put you on, I put you on the spot. Yeah, you can yeah. be thinking you about really it. Did. I yeah. love like these songs like uh, that end ended movies in the late eighties, like when they would have like a rap song about the movie, and so like. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's actually a pretty good soundtrack too. We were just watching that movie the other day, the original one. Um, cool. And then we'll be in touch because I, we have a podcast that, that talks about that all discusses exactly like, that. Yeah. Waxwork records puts those out. I always, I collect those. There like, you go. Oh, See, nice. you need to be a guest on that wow, show. That's, that's cool. Cool. Uh, wow. We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. So check that out. If you're a Spotify subscriber, we'd love for you to, to uh, follow that. That helps us out. Even if you don't listen to, we'd like you to listen to it too, but we'd like to get followers as well to help <laughs> get so that more, more and more people will see it. And then listen to it. Uh, so follow us on 
tw- Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, TikTok. We're going to start TikToking again, I promise. Uh, I think I'm going to put Aliyah in charge of that. And then uh, Instagram, all at World Gun Geek. And you can find us there and find out what we're doing and what, what's going on and communicate. Be part of the community. We'd love for you to do that. Thanks again for this uh, episode, Utah and, and Aliyah. It's always it's great to have you guys always a pleasure. here. And thanks for always. watching. We will see you guys in two weeks right here. Two weeks. Bye. I am waving. Hey, so am I. The podcast is real is a World Gone Geek production.